This meeting is being recorded. Good morning, everybody. Today is Saturday, February 26, 2022. You are watching or listening to another edition of Forward Maryland. My name is Bill Woodcock. And I'm Steve Hunt. Happy weekend, everybody. And we are honored today to welcome a newly minted candidate for the Maryland House of Delegates in District 13, also known as the Hunt Woodcock District. So the, the Hunt Woodcock endorsement is, is, is important. Although I don't, <laughs> I don't know if there will even be an endorsement, so who knows. Anyway, he is a current member of the Howard County Board of Education, and uh, full disclosure, I've been very proud to support uh, his uh, election to office. Uh, he is Dr. Chow Wu. Dr. Wu, Chow, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Bill and Steve. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to speak in with you this morning. And, and so, Chow, um, for, for people who you are, you know, I know you've been elected by all, you know, uh, countywide in Howard County, but I'm sure that there are a lot of people who don't know much about you. So could you speak a little bit about yourself and why you're running for office? Sure. Thank you. And uh, I was elected as school board member in 2018 as a countywide candidate. Then the election rule changed a little bit. Now, and uh, before that, I was a community volunteer. So I served on Rock Hill Village Board and Columbia Association Board. So I've been serving the community for a long while. I, I think with my skills and my knowledge about school education, I want to have a new opportunity to help our school system and help Howard County and Marylander in the state level. That's the reason I'm running for a House of Delegate. So now... Your, your experience in education is certain, I, I think will certainly prove you a, val a valuable a member of the House of Delegates. And I note that you're, you're not the only candidate for House of Delegates in District 13 with uh, notable education experience. Um, you know, what are some insights on that you have learned on the local level as a school board member, member that you think that you can bring as a state delegate? Sure. Thank, thank, Bill, thank you very much for that question. Uh, you're right. Uh, District 13 has so many candidates right now, right? With the two incumbents and uh, four new uh, candidates on the, and then from Democrat side. So I think what I can bring to the, to the table, both from the funding level and from both operating budget and the capital budget. For example, from the operating budget, the state formula give the state, give the county the funding per student, right? Per student, how many, how many students you have. However, that formula does not account for student growth. That means when they give money to us, like for this year, they're using number for previous year. So our student population grows every year. So that means every new year comes and we are short of 1,000 students like funding, right? So each year, because we grow around 1,000 students per year in the past, even COVID changed a little bit, but that's the trend in the last 20 years. So if they're not giving that money in that, in that formula, that we're short of $10 million every year. So every year we're short of money in the operating budget side, right? Then for the, for the capital budget, I think there, that's another problem. So there's a state match, like 45, 55, something, depending on different counties. So problem is if we consider 
the student growth issue, right? We're not able, we're not able to really account the growth in our capital budget planning. So for example, we're planning to build a new high school. And right now, and it takes four years to really get it through all the discussions and then take another four years to really get the funding. So during that eight to 10 years, the student population actually grows tremendously. That means when you plan the school, like for, for example, 16,000 student population, but when the school was built finally, you're overcrowded already, right? So the state, when they think about it, for planning, they just need to plan the growth inside their formula. That's another question for the, for the planning, right? So the other issue I would say, Howard County, even we're very wealthy, and but we have our own pain, we have a, our own problem. So everybody know our school is underfunded. One problem is because the state formula for Howard County is not, I would say it's not equitable or it's not fair to us. So I think I, I need to let our public know that. I think I will work hard to address that issue, make sure we have money for school renovation and the new school construction. At the same time, have a good pay for our teacher as well. Well, I mean, as you well know, Chow, I mean, you know, you know that the, the education budget is about 60% of, of Howard County's budget. In fact, over that, and of course, it's a big, it's a huge part of the state budget. So that, that was, uh, you know, I, I appreciate your answers to, to that question. It's certainly, you know, I, I can certainly uh, uh, understand your, your grasp of the issues. So if you don't mind me saying so, um, there, there have been some challenges that you've had on your four years on the school board, uh, not the least of them being uh, COVID. And I know that recently um, in your role as a school board member, you had to make a very difficult vote on the uh, masking issue within Howard County schools, public schools. I was wondering if you'd like to talk about how you voted and, and, and what your rationale was for your vote. Sure, sure. I, I think during my four years, right, less than four years, COVID definitely is the dominant factor for us. So the first year we got a budget card and then second year a little budget card, then COVID comes, right? And uh, I still remember like, I think March 15, 2020, we switched to virtual, right? And then we have a lot of debate, virtual hybrid, hybrid virtual. And then eventually we come to school and last, last September and last like August. Now we're coming back and we have mosques. I, I think it, it's really the debate for mosques or vaccine. It's not a unique, right, for Howard County. And Howard County, I would say, we, we should be very proud. We have a very high vaccination rate, right? And uh, so, at the same time, we know there's still community members right, debating on vax, vaccine or mask. At the same time, we got a new direction from CDC, from the health department, from the uh, MSDE. So we take every consideration together. We have the majority board actually support to set the mask to be optional. And uh, I think definitely we still have concern. Personally, I still have concern. And, uh, but, uh, I think it's a time we make the optional and that's how I Very felt. Good. Very good. I, I want to get back in a few minutes to, to the comment you made about the uh, burgeoning field of candidates in, in District 13, six and growing, like you said. 
Uh, but I'm, first, I'll turn the floor over to Steve. Yeah, uh, thank you, Bill. And uh, again, thank you, Dr. Wu, for being with us. Um, I actually had a question about that as well, Bill. So I will hold my question um, until you ask it. And I may follow up to that question because I do have an interest there as well. But, um, you know, Dr. Wu, you talk, you know, we, we kind of have to, with you, because you are currently on the Board of Ed, but running for House of Delegates, we have to kind of look back and look forward at the same time because you're, you're still on the board. Um, one of the things that you talked about your budget experience, which you know I've, I've seen enough hearings and, and read enough of your stuff to know that that's one of the, the major things you bring to the table to the Board of Ed. Um, the blueprint for Maryland's future. Um, you know, there's there's talk that they may delay implementation, um, but you know it, it may happen as early as you know next year as far as the implementation and the funding um, required for that. And uh, full disclosure, I sit on the uh, Spending Affordability Advisory Committee, and there seems to be some confusion in terms of whether or not uh, Howard County has already met its um, funding mandate, uh, which means that you know they they wouldn't have to they wouldn't have to find additional funding to meet the blueprint mandate. So I guess my question is, you know, your your thoughts on the implementation of the blueprint, and, and what would you do as a delegate, you know, representing District 13 in Annapolis? Uh, to ensure that the funding mechanisms and, and the formulas, et cetera, uh, make sure that we can certainly meet those mandates, you know, very high standards, uh, increase the teacher's salary. I think it's all day pre-K universally is in there. Um, within the, you know, within the, the, the budget constraints or challenges that we have as a county. Sure, thank you, Steve, for that question. I think everybody knows that, right? So the blueprint has a challenge in front of us. With the current timeline, and um, actually, it's, it's our board. When I was the chair on the school board, I actually asked our staff to say, "What exactly took us to implement the blueprint?" Right. So they worked really hard, really presented us the number. When when I got the number, I know it's difficult. <laughs> so I asked I asked our staff, and I asked we set up a meeting with our delegate, with our county executive, with our county council, and said, mm -hmm. "Okay, this is what is supposed to have happen." if we implement the blueprint according to the current timeline. I think for me, the first point of the chair or student board or the just board member is really what we always need to ask ourselves, what do we have right now, right? And if we don't take that in consideration, always we said we have aspirational budget or we have ambitious budget, so probably eventually come to, down to the number. I think for me, I'm very good at numbers I really looked at the issue very pragmatically. If we said want to do something and I agree with that vision, then I will, the next question for me is how do we approach that? How can we achieve that, right? I think for Blueprint, it's really, we need to work with both county government and the state legislature and see how exactly we can put the numbers together. And uh, for, for how the county, yeah, the county has been funding for education actually well above, like, we call it MOE, right? Maintenance of ever. And at the same time, we know the county, county budget is stretched out so much areas. And then for the state, I think one point is like change the formula, right? Help Howard County to achieve the goal you're setting it there. And otherwise, we couldn't get this done alone for the county. Okay. Well, th thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, you know, because as Bill said, you know, the, the, our educational, it really, if you look at what I call our educational system, including the library, the community college, it, it's actually 
you know, floating around two thirds of the county budget on on those entities. Obviously, you know, the big chunk of it is HCPSS, uh, but uh, you know, if you throw the the community college and the library system, you know, we certainly do invest in that. Um, you know, looking forward, uh, you know, I, I was looking at some of the things you talked about, and I'm gonna pull this up real quick if you don't mind. On your uh, website, you know, you have four four major bullet points that you you talk about, and you know, I think you know, we've talked about education, community safety. I mean, that 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 one is like number one on your list, uh, mm -hmm. which would make sense drawing your experience. But you talk about building a better public infrastructure, and I want to go a little deeper to that. Um, you know, I live in, as Bill said, District 13, and I live in the far southeastern portion of District 13, um, better known as the Route 1 corridor. And mm -hmm. you know, that's been an issue for many, many years. It crosses over many council members and many uh, state delegates and senators. And while to the north part, when you get up towards Elk Ridge and, and other areas, you, you can certainly see where there, there have been things that have gotten done. You know, there, there has been some revitalization and improvement. But certainly not in the section that is in District 13, which you know, if you go from Route 175 down to the Prince George's mm -hmm. County line, um, what would you do as a delegate uh, really to improve? And I don't even want to say improve upon what's been done, because in my view, nothing really has been by a, a number of delegates, um, you know, maybe excluding um, uh, then Delegate Gazone. But um, what, what would you do to improve that corridor and 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 the public infrastructure that travels that route? Sure, Steve, that's a great question, I would say, right? I would just first give a general idea of why I'm interested in that. I feel it's important. So I have been in Maryland for almost 20 years, right? So every time I need to go to Virginia or DC, take a 495. During the last 20 years, nothing changed. Really just congestion, right? That, that's just not, a, it's not an experience, it's experience. Right? I feel what's going on for 20 years in Maryland, we're not doing anything to address that, right? So I, I think definitely the state really needs to think about hard on that. People really parked on the highway. It's not a way to really say we are addressing climate change or we're helping families to go to the work, right? And or lower the transportation cost. That's for daily life for normal people who are committing to work. If we can address that, I think people can feel that and then they will see, okay, our government are doing something then. I don't feel that way because every time I got a 495 and uh, like 30 minutes drive becomes one hour, two hour, I don't feel that way, right? Mm -hmm. So for Howard County, you're right. I think the Route 1 corridor is definitely a challenge. I, I think one problem is we are really not putting the planning there. We build so many new houses there, right? However, I don't see the route expansion had been in that formula because I, I just feel two, two lanes on route, route one will not be enough considering so many new buildings stand up on both sides, right? So I, the problem like we don't put money in the front when we build the housing there and then maybe 10 years, 20 years or five years, we are complaining to, to congested traffic. That's something I would say be very difficult to really address because it would be much more expensive when you try to fix it. Then you really put that road construction and other planning when you really do some housing development there, right? Since it happened already, I would say it's really probably the dedicated funding to improve the whole route one, right? From Montgomery, 
it's, it's kind of Montgomery County and uh, PG County, right? To Howard County, then to Baltimore County. Let's put that in one formula, right? Really put some dedicated money, you know, a few years together and to address them. Otherwise, I, I just feel it will be very expensive, right? It's, it's not easy to try to partner with the county and uh, with state, put the money there and find a solution there. Uh, thank, thank you, Dr. Wu. Uh, appreciate that answer. Um, last, last question from a policy perspective for me. Um, you know, there's obviously, uh, you know, the uh, General Assembly uh, is in session right now. Uh, there are a number of uh, pieces of legislation. If you look at the count on the uh, Maryland website, there, there are, you know, a lot. Uh, let's just put it that way. I don't know how many actually get through, but um, the, the hot one out there seems to be HB uh, 0001, which is the uh, legislation that would put on the ballot an amendment to the Constitution regarding cannabis. Um, that, that one seems to be a, a really big one. Also, if you look at the incumbents, we mentioned those earlier, um, you know, Delegate Terraza has six pieces of legislation, including one to basically make folks running for you know, homeowners association and others uh, file campaign reports. Uh, Delegate Atterbury has four pieces of legislation sitting out there, um, a lot of which regards um, you know, child protection. I know that's been a very big thing for her, child marriage, et cetera. So I guess my question, it, answer it however you'd like to. One, your thoughts on the cannabis legislation that would uh, put that ballot initiative on, on for November to amend the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And then any pieces of legislation that have caught your attention or um, anything that you would propose yourself that you feel is missing from what's gone through our delegation? Uh, Philippe, thank you. And I would say there's so many bills every year, right? It's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, unless you're really in that field and you have time, you, you get to know. Otherwise, just unbelievably so many bills every year. That's a challenge for, for normal citizens, right? To track yeah. and what's happening. I, I hope in the future there should be some caps. By the way, I'll just interrupt you. I just pulled up the website. Yeah, it's, uh, let's see, uh, total count with all actions out there for the Senate, 1,292 for the House, 1,739. And that includes uh, bills and bond initiatives. But uh, yeah, a lot. <laughs> right. Uh, first, I want to say there, you mentioned a few bills, right? Um, Delegate Teresa proposed the HOA candidate filing around him. I, I really support that. I think it's really show, help us to bring the transparency and accountability to, the, to their election as well. I was running the CA um, board before, right? I, I didn't spend any money, so, right? And I didn't solicit like a donation. My gosh, just CA election, right? <laughs> and, but now it's changed. Last, during the last election cycle, right? And everybody knows that. And uh, I think if we put the shy, sh really shine a sunlight there, we will see what's happening there. At least people, voters, or get to know what's happening there. I, I really applaud for her effort. So for the other one from Delegate Atterbury, for that um, child marriage, I, I think that's needed. I, you know, it's, it's weird they can get married at so young age, right? Probably not happening in every other place. I, I really applaud that her effort on that. And hopefully both bills can pass with the support from a delegation. And then come back to the 
So Bill, you talk about marijuana, right? Mm -hmm. That's why you mentioned earlier. Yes. Mm -hmm. Personally, I support the medical usage of marijuana, but I think that's needed. Probably there's no doubt everybody will agree with that. However, I have reservation about a really kind of the fast paced moving to really expand universally. And mm -hmm. uh, for example, we, we really have not done much research on that. You remember the, the debate on tobacco as well, right? Many years ago, we said that tobacco uh, smoking is good, even for your health, right? And they eventually say, oh, that's wrong, <laughs> right? And uh, it's, it's a U-turn, right? The same for the out of for liquor control, right? And uh, drinking beers or something. And we know there's a good side and bad side. But uh, for marijuana, I think uh, my impression reading the press is that, okay, marijuana is so good. And it, it killed every germ, right? It cured every disease. That's my feeling, okay? Mm -hmm. I, I don't think they put enough evidence and enough research education for the people. And the other concern is about for, for children, right? You know, children under a lot of stress already and high school students or some of them are trying with already, right? How do we deal with that if it's so easily accessible? And uh, are we able to really help them if they in need? And do, do they get enough really testimony from all sides to really lay out the benefit and cost of analysis. That, that's something I think they should focus on that. But unfortunately, it put in front of a referendum. So it's, it's, it's a delicate call for me. I, I'm not supporting right now to do it right now. I think it's too fast, too quick. So that's my personal opinion on that. But in, yeah. in terms of the bills for the, in Annapolis, I, I have not think about that, right? I think if I come back to my experience to help Howard County, definitely the education formula, funding formula, but both for operating budget and for the capital budget need to be changed or revised somehow to really help Howard County. Okay, well, well, thank you. I, I know I had a lot in that question and I appreciate you touching on all those points. Uh, and with that, Bill, I'll turn it back over to you. And, and Chow, another, uh, while you are at, right at the very end of your answer, another uh, issue I know is near and dear to Colombians happened. A plane for flew over this house and the last couple seconds of your answer blipped. So so yet another issue that, that you'll you'd be dealing with on the state level. So, so, uh, so I think that's the noise question, right? <laughs> Yeah, 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 the noise, but, you know, I, I lived on the eastern side of Howard County growing up, and the planes were a little bit lower, and I don't know, I mean, it wasn't such a big deal then, but it certainly is one now. Yeah, uh, I think that's a great question, and when when people approach me, I think probably I'm the first person to raise that issue. I put it on my website in 2000, maybe 15 something, right, when I was on CA board, then when I put it on my website, Actually, people from California called me and said, Dr. Wu, you're working that. We have similar issues there. I was so surprised. <laughs> so, that's amazing. Think, yeah, that's definitely an issue. That the NGI Lex platform and LexGen and flight pass, right? Control. I think, but it's a problem that people already probably told me it's a federal issue, right? So I think mm. we, we need to find a way to work with the federal regulators and say, how can they really modify that? I think sometimes we hear complaints 
from other people. And then some other people say, it's not a big deal. You're living there, you know, they're playing. It's really not that. I think it's really the playing path changed, right? And which increase the noise level. So that's the issue we're talking about. So I, I think the community needs to come together to work with the different regulators to find maybe there should be some solutions available. Very good. I'm a strong supporter on that. So, so, so looking at the wonderful District 13 in which we all reside, uh, there are currently six Democratic uh, candidates for delegate. Um, delegates Tarasa and Atterbury are running again. Uh, there is uh, Pam uh, Landman Gazone, the former uh, spouse of State Senator Gazone. Uh, there is Becca Nyberg and Amy Brooks, who are both, along with Delegate Atterbury, friends of this podcast and former guests, and now yourself. Uh, so there are now, you know, we know we know that typically uh, for several election cycles, there has been a Team 13 ticket. Looks like there will be again this time. Um, have you had any conversations either with Senator Gazone or, or any members of Team 13 about joining the slate, or or have there been conversations about an alternative slate forming? Chow, we're here. We're here to break breaking political news in Howard County. Chow, give us some give us some meat. Tell us tell us what the tell us what the inside scoop is, Chow. Yeah, I have a conversation with all of them. I think I really appreciate the opportunity to learn from them and mm-hmm. uh, just get their support. Right at the same time. It's a democratic primary. I hope there will be no slate. I think that would be not fair for new candidates running. And uh, for me, I think I have a strong background. I, I hope the voters will help me. I, I've been working on school board. I've been active in the community. And uh, I'm very diverse, really both educational and uh, life experience and volunteer experience. I think I can bring something, probably no other candidate can bring forward to the table. And uh, I, if I'm in the slate eventually, which I hope that will not happen, I, I will be glad that. But if I'm not, I will really run a massive campaign to win the election. I think I have the confidence to really reach out to every voter who can vote and then really work, win their vote. So on that line, um... You know, of course, I, you and I first got to know each other when I was on the Oakland Mills Village Board and you were running for uh, and then served on the on the CA board from River Hill. And as, as an elected school board member, that is a nonpartisan race. And, you know, we noted in the pre-show that, you, you know, you live in the River Hill area. That's a very purple area. So, I mean, how do you feel or do you feel that uh, you know that you come from a more purple area uh, gives you an advantage either politically in this race or as the or as an ability to reach across the aisle as a member of the legislature. Yeah, I, I really like that question, right? I think the advantage I have is really I always listen to people to be very responsive, right? I think everybody when they approach me, if they have a question, I'm not considering what's their background. I would look at the issues they're, they're trying to address, right? Whether I can help them find the resources, find the help and uh, reach out to different parties. That's always my first, first approach to, to really communicate with the voter or with the parents or student or teacher. And I think for me, 
that's always my approach. I hope people like that. And that's, that's how I really bring myself forward to, to our voters. Well, the last question I have on this front, and Steve, I hope this is the question that you, you want to piggyback on to. If not, I'll have to leave you ask it on your own, sir. But, uh, <laughs> but, but the, the last question I have, and you know, we talked during the pre-show that, again, River Hill was kind of close to where uh, District 9 is. And, you know, in District 9A, it's still possible the lines may shift given pending uh, legis um, uh, uh, legal uh, action. Um, I know in District 9A right now, there are, of course, two incumbent Republican delegates. There's at least one Democrat who is uh, filed to run against them. If you moved into 9A, what, if you were moved into 9A, what, what would you do? So right now, there are two candidates from 9A. So if right. I joined, there will be three candidates from 9A, right? And then from Democrat side, there are a lot of from Republican side, right? Uh, I, I stand I corrected. Think... Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Bill, in nine A, you have uh, two 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 new candidates on the Democratic side. You have one Republican incumbent, uh, Reed Novotny, who's the other nine A delegate, is running for Senate. So there's actually an open seat in nine A. I'm totally ignorant about nine A. That might be a good thing, considering. But, sure. uh, <laughs> but at any rate, but anyway, Chad, we interrupted you. No, no problem. I, I think you're right. So. I think whether in 9A or 13, I will be the same myself, right? And I will bring myself forward to reach out to voters and explain my platform, my experience, and really try to win their support. I think that will not change myself. And uh, I will work really hard, I think, just to win the election. You would run. You would run in 9A. You would, uh, you know, a vote for, vote for Wu is a vote for you signs would, would be in Sykesville. <laughs> okay, you got it. A vote for who is a vote for you. Yes, and you're still going to use that. You're still going to use that slogan. Yes, yes. I'm going to use that. That is Thank my you. favorite slogan in the history of Maryland politics. I think I take advantage of that, my, my short name. And so let's put it there. <laughs> well, certainly couldn't take advantage of, a, of Woodcock. That's for sure. Steve? Well, no, Bill, you you covered it, and, and really, uh, Chow. Again, thank you for for being here, and and I'll I'll turn it over to you for a wrap up. Uh, Bill, I'll let you tee that up, but yeah, you know, just you know, really, Chow. I I wanted to ask you at the top, you know, why why give up what would I think most people would say it would be a very safe board of ed seat to run in a highly competitive primary, uh, just so the listeners and viewers know. In 2018, you were the second highest vote getter with over 54,000 votes countywide. So you certainly have a, a wide spread of support across Howard County. And in terms of the top five, number one was uh, Vicki Catronio, who has announced she's not running for re-election. And behind Ms. Catronio was Jen Mallow, who had to run for re-election. I won't even get into the whole new rules with district changes. Uh, listeners, you can look that up. It's interesting. But uh, Jen Mal was number three, ran for re-election in 2020, so she's not on the ballot. Sabina Taj was number four. Uh, she chose not to run for re-election in 2020. And then um, uh, there's a fifth person, uh, uh, Mr. Glasscock. I can't remember his first name for the life of me. Um, oh. But basically, hmm, yes. So, but basically, in the top five, 
you're the only one on the ballot in a countywide race. So I think most people would assume it would be pretty much a layup for you. So I, I was going to ask, why give why give that up and run in a, a, a race that is extraordinarily competitive, has two incumbents, has three other challengers who in their own way are, are you know, pretty legit. I mean, it's not going to be an easy race for you. So uh, I think you've answered all that, but, you know, Bill, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Maybe yeah. try you can wrap that into your, sure. your questions, sure. but Bill, I'll let, let you me, Let me respond to that, right? Steve, I, sure. I would never think of that it would be, a, if, if I'm running for re-election, I would never take it for granted that that would be a safe election, right? And uh, for me, if I want to do something, I will work really hard to, to get it done, right? So, and the reason I want to run for state again, I feel there's so many new challenges school system facing and which has not been addressed. I just feel I need help the school system and Howard County from the state level to get those things that we mentioned earlier to get it done. Well, I really appreciate that, Chow. And again, you know, um, you, know, you got to appreciate somebody who um, would would give up what I personally just looking at it from an analytical standpoint a safe seat to run in something that's highly competitive. Give you a lot of credit for uh, stepping out there, a lot of respect, and uh, certainly wish you luck. But Bill, I'll let you uh, wrap this thing up with uh, Dr. Wu. Yeah, chat, Dr. Wu, I have really enjoyed this this conversation this morning. It is it is always a pleasure to talk to someone who is an experienced public servant. Their the answers are so concise and 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 pointed and and i really appreciate your direct manner so for other people out there and viewer and listener land who have also appreciated what they've heard from you today how can they get involved in your campaign sure thank you um bill give it bill and steve give me this opportunity i just wrap up by saying i'm dr chow i'm running for marion house of delegate so i'm a scientist a proud father of two, I just tried to read it from my website, and two immigrants, a new immigrants, and a community of volunteers. Currently, I'm serving on the Howard School Board, right? And to get involved, try to reach out to me. I have a website, chao.org. If you search my name, it will be pop up on the top, right? I, I put a lot of stuff on my website when I was on school board, on CA board, on River College board. I think it's a really collection of knowledge for you to understand my background, how I approach the problem, how I provide solutions, how I work with others. So I hope you join my campaign and either reach out to me directly or just really spread out the message I'm running. Well, thank you. Thank you again, Chow. Oh, and hold, I... on, hold on, hold on, Chow. I can't let you go without giving us the slogan. You got, you know, we, we talked about it, but to, to your last comment, you got to close with it because we both dig it. Do, do we want to like three together say that? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah. a, a vote for who is a vote for, vote for you. you. There you go. <laughs> All the people need to know, as the famous Baron Von Raschke told us. So, Chow, this has been wonderful. Uh, and and uh, it's nice to see a successful public servant in Howard County um, choose to uh, continue their service on another level. We wish you good luck and and hope that you will come by the podcast again to help let, let us know how it's going. Sure, sure. Thank you very much for your time. Absolutely. And thank you, Steve, as always. Uh, you have been nope. watching or listening to Forward Maryland, folks. Next week, we bring you an update from a candidate for delegate in, in Prince George's County, Rich Elliott. And until then, uh, we will hope you have a great weekend and great week.
Have a great one, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.